0: Sega Bits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things Sega. with your hosts George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking
1: to the So what? No. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk, episode number thirty-five. Uh, this podcast is basically the podcast we pick one piece of Sega software or hardware and we dedicate a whole episode talking to about it. In this episode we're talking about the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive cult classic Gunstar Heroes which came out in September 1993 and uh, so every single time we open this up we always talk about our history with the game so Barry, let me ask you, what do you Uh, think and how did you feel when you first played Gunstar Heroes and when did you first hear about it? And obviously, I don't think it was day one, right?
0: No, absolutely not. Um, Hello and welcome to Sega Talk. (laughs) I'm Barry. Uh, um, Yeah, so I, I think whenever we cover games from the Genesis Mega Drive, I always preface it with saying like, I started on the Genesis like playing very minimal Sega games, like sonic i would rent some of the sega titles but honestly like i didn't know what was what um however you know like i would recognize stuff like konami um and then of course there's the treasure logo so i'm trying to think back i i cannot remember playing this on release uh but i feel like dynamite heady i did rent it seems a little, you know, like, I, I feel like I remember that. But honestly, like, I think the first time I played this was when they started sticking it in compilations. Mm. So that would probably be the maybe late 90s or early 2000s. Um, but this is like a favorite of compilations. Like, if if they were ever going to do re-releases for Genesis or Mega Drive, you will always see this game. Always. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah so um i don't have a long history with it but as soon as i played this i like completely understood why people love treasure so much and i went out and tried out all their other games and i love them all so um i'm looking forward to talking about this i'm no expert but that's why we have show notes so i'm looking forward to this
1: (laughs) um my first time playing the game I, i it was one of those games where like I didn't really know about it like growing up when I was like in elementary school, it was like in a very small town. Nobody mm-hmm. played video games really in in that town. So when I went to like middle school, I started like actually seeing people that like liked uh different games. Um different uh you know, just expanding um and one of the games that I was lent was uh, Gunstar Heroes. I've never heard of it before that and it was already old like we were already in the closing up the the playstation one and saturn era so it was weird that i never heard of it i mean it just seems so up my alley you know anime it has an anime look crazy levels i used to love contra growing up um Mm -hmm. it had um i don't know it's just insane like the the bosses were so different they put so much uh thought and effort into like just the design of the levels like you can tell nothing was intentional and sometimes you i mean obviously no games are intentional but In this era, you would always play those games where they would repeat things. You could tell where they're like, all right, we need to add more hours into this game. And I really appreciated that they didn't even care. Like They just went like, this is the game. You pick your levels. I also love that about the game. You could pick what stage you wanted to play. Kind of like Mega Man in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. The hand-to-hand combat, all the little things like that, that blew my mind. And uh, another game that I discovered from the same guy, he would just lend me them. Because he liked me giving him feedback about them was uh, Chrono Trigger was another game. It was like super rare. I never played it. And he lent me that one. So that's another game that I uh, uh, heard about because of this. So yes, uh, a lot of good uh, games came out of this. Um, But talking about Gunstar Hero, you can't really talk about it without talking about the creation of Treasure because it was literally, I guess, the game that created the team. It was the debut game. So, uh, Gunstar Heroes meant a lot to Treasure because the idea of the game was something that developers had in mind since 1991. Keep in mind, the company was founded in 1993, two years before the uh, the idea of Gunstar Heroes. At the time, Treasure leader Masato Magawa was working at Konami with developers who would become Treasure. Um, according to September 1993 interview with Game Fan Magazine, the company officially started in June 19, 1992. Okay, so sorry, nine ninety three. It was 92. Which uh, started because Treasure President Masato Magawa uh, always wanted his own company. The company started with only 18 employees, with almost everyone being a programmer. The youngest <coughs> member of the team was 19. The oldest was 37. But the average age for an employee was 27. Uh, when they asked him why they left Konami, he said, basically, Konami is a huge company. They cannot create games. Fr- we cannot g- create games freely. Konami's big titles are TMNT, Castlevania, etc. I just couldn't stand making more sequels. But in order to drive sales, sequels must always be made. When I presented my idea for Gunstar Heroes, they said, no, it will not sell. You see, mm-hmm. the only they only want the sure thing because they are such a high, high profile company um so uh what uh but are you uh, are you okay so from what i can gather a lot of the talent sega acquired for the sega genesis tended to be on the younger side especially in-house but are you surprised the average age of a person that left konami to join a smaller company was 27 years old i don't know like to me it feels like something that like a 19 year old would do you know like oh it's an exciting project. I don't have a family right now, but in Japan, 27 is pretty mature, right? Like they're already settled down.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: like, like if you have a family, right, you're married, you have a house, you have a mortgage, you have all this thing. Would you leave Konami to join a brand new company from a guy that you used to work with in the team?
0: I mean, I, I have to imagine that they were getting tired of working on not, not, I I don't want to say unoriginal games, but like you look at what, he was mentioning like those are great titles to have under your belt but after a certain amount of time you want to break out and i'm honestly getting vibes of the um platinum Games story really oh you know like they were like we're getting sick of making devil may cry again and again the company we work for is getting you know like it's not terrible but it's just kind of like it's creatively stifling um and so they went off and they did their own thing and you look at I feel like you look at the library of games that treasure did and you look at the library of games that platinum games have done. And I just, I, I see a a lot of similarities there. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, they're games that people point to now and are like saying they're some of the greatest games they've ever played. Like I, I could easily say that gunstar heroes is up there with like Bayonetta in terms of like, it's greatness at the time, you know what I mean? Yes, like, yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I see that as some a very good reason. I mean, it's it's a risk, but I have to imagine that you trust the person you're working with. And I think they their trust was put in the right place at that time, for sure.
1: And it's kind of insane. Well, yeah, but like, yeah, right now, actually, though, I think like, it's funny that we're talking about Konami in the, you know, in their height. Now that mm-hmm. they don't even make any arcade games, like back then they were like they were like a big cheese. Cause I remember like being a little kid and going to like the roller like uh little, you know, where you skate. And I remember mm-hmm. they used to have arcades, like literally twenty like seventy-five percent were everybody was playing either Street Fighter 2 or TMNT or like those licensed games. The Simpsons was also really popular. So it's interesting that they would leave that. Like, I'm pretty sure working at Konami is cushy. Is everything all right?
0: Yeah, I dropped my my phone. Rumbled down on the floor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, Keep going. No, yeah, okay. I was just saying that. Like, I don't know if I would be able to leave a company like Konami because I would see it differently. I understand that people are kind of mad, like they don't have creative freedoms. But to me, I think people playing what you create also means a lot. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I You know what I mean? Like when I saw all those games there, like, uh I don't know, it, maybe it just meant to me a lot seeing really good licensed games that yeah. took good care of the IP. It's not something you saw a lot back then, especially with TMNT. There was a lot of bad TMNT games, a lot of bad Simpsons games. So to That's me, true. maybe I just appreciate the work they did into them. And maybe they just didn't like doing it, but I appreciate the work they did. So, my um, phone's fine by
0: the way. Thanks oh, thank you. I, I do care. <laughs> I, I will say this episode's brought to you by Otterbox. Um, they uh, they do a fantastic job and Baby Yoda. So, uh, yeah, no, go
1: on. <laughs> uh, Treasure, uh, founder and president, and yes, he is still the uh president of Treasure till this day. Masato Magawa was mm-hmm. always a fan of the video game inter- industry and wanted to, and he always wanted to work. Started learning pro programming in junior high school. Studied yeah. it at college and was hired right after graduating by Konami. Magawa himself was working on it. Only worked at Konami for a few short years, but let's let, let me mention some of these arcade slash Super Nintendo titles they worked on: The Simpsons Arcade from 1991, Bucky O'Hare 1992, uh, Super mm-hmm. Castlevania 4, 1991, uh, Contra Three: The Alien Wars 92, and Axeli. I don't know. Is that how you say that name? I've never... Ax...
0: Axelay? I've never heard of that game.
1: Neither have I. 1992. uh, The team at uh, Konami had disagreements with how Konami wanted to continue making popular sequels. Obviously, we said that. And they Mm. thought more people would want to play original games like Gunstar Heroes. Obviously, Konami disagreed. Growing up in the 90s and seeing arcade games, do you think Konami or Treasure were wrong in this instance? Um... Obviously I think I mean I don't know I feel like you have to have it like a for me you have to have like a balance right like you can't just be all one in like as a company right you can't be all in on I, uh, original IPs cuz I mean that's a hurt sago over the time like not making sequels yeah. to Streets of Rage or Chester Radio in my opinion mhm but at the same time uh, uh, I guess it depends on where you're standing right making money or making games
0: Yeah, it's it's tricky because looking at Konami's catalog, they are I mean, they they have a lot of great games, but it's true. They like they really like to do their their uh, licensed titles and they really like to do their franchises. I mean, looking at this list, it's two licensed titles, uh, two franchises and then Axelay, which I've never heard of. I don't know if that like counts as like them actually doing something uh, that isn't a franchise. I'm looking, it's just a, it's just a schmup. That's yeah. all it is. It's a, not creative. Um, In the same vein as life force and gradius. So yeah, looking at it, I, I don't know, like nothing too exciting here, but you look at the opposite side, like you look at treasure. They never really did franchises. They never did any licensed titles to my memory and so i think to be successful you need a mix like honestly you know we're we're sega fans you look at sega's back catalog they kind of have a mix they have licensed games, they say have franchises they have one-offs and i that's why i love the company i think konami could have tried to do a few more um i I don't want to say one-offs but like games that they're not afraid to have it be a one and done like it's okay Mm -hmm. that it's not a franchise and I think um, nowadays, like even with movies, people are afraid to make movies that are one and done. They always have to set it up to be a franchise, which actually hurts it, if anything, because they're putting less focus on what they're working on. And instead are like, oh, what's the post credit scene going to be? Uh, what's this or that? And I think with video games, they fall into that trap, too, because they're either like, let's not put our all into this. Let's, you know, hold off until a sequel to introduce this or that. Um, or in the case of Shenmue, like, they won't finish the game. They'll be like, oh, we're, we're going to make 15 of them. You know, yeah.
1: And, so like, <coughs> and, I, and you when know? you said there there wasn't franchises, I mean, Gunstar Heroes, and we talked about Guardian uh, right. Guardian Heroes not that long ago. Those are technically got sequels, but, like, you said, I mean, they didn't strike when the iron was hot. They waited. Mm. And then mm-hmm. it's, like, a decade later, It's it's a little hard to, like, get those old fans excited. Um, right. So to me, it's like you you have to strike with the Iron Tide and not be afraid to try new ideas. I think sometimes it works for some franchises, sometimes it doesn't. But even though they wanted to make original titles, uh, Sega did not agree with them, apparently. While the company pitched Sega Gunstar Heroes, Sega wasn't so keen on funding it and instead asked the studio to work on McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure a licensed game that Sega wanted to put out in the market. After months of working on the licensed game, Sega had a change of heart and approved their action game project. While Treasure finished development on McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure first, they wanted to launch Gunstar Heroes first as it was an original title for the company and it wanted an original title to be their debut game. Uh, Did you ever play McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure? And did you know this was developed by the super
0: hardcore game gamer <laughs> company known as Treasure. Um, obviously not, because as I just said, I didn't. I wasn't aware of them doing any licensed titles, and here I am, eating my own words like a fool. Right. Um, I think
1: it's a. It's kind of more underground, but I, I didn't know about it. But go on.
0: I I was aware though that it was made by someone notable. I think I had forgotten it was a Treasure title. But you see this a lot back then. Like, there would be these games that just look disposable. Like, you're like, oh, the NES Ghostbusters sucked. Why would I play the Genesis one? And I'm like, you do know Compile worked on it. And it's like a really good platformer, but people wouldn't know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Cool Spot is one of my favorite games. And that's a license. It's a soda pop, you know, soda yeah. pop. This so, was actually
1: super popular idea back yeah. in the day. It, and I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not sure how it was going, but I do know Sega of America had a lot of McDonald's uh, tie-ins, so Mm-mm. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that there was some sort of a arrangement for this game. But I, I, the only reason I remember this game, and it's kind of crazy though, because like I, when I was a kid, I remember we I used to be taken care of in one of my uh, with my cousins. We when we rented games. I was all, I was all addicted to the idea of renting like platformers and stuff at the time, pretty obsessed with like Adventure Island, Mm -hmm. but, uh, my cousin had a Genesis at the time and he rented this game and a few others. I didn't even want to play it because I was like McDonald's. What the, like, come on, dude, (laughs) seriously, like this isn't even an original game. Like I had some, when I was a kid, I just did not like the idea of licensed games, especially like fast food licensing games. Mm-hmm. It just seems so cheap, and then when you see that cover, it's too kitty ish. The whole game is super kitty ish, right? So even though I was a kid, I mean, I thought, you know, come on, come on, everybody. Well,
0: I will admit, I, I, I didn't wish really,
1: I didn't really play it. By the way, so I don't. really I wish know. the
0: Taco Bell dog had his own game. I don't think he ever did.
1: The only person that deserves a, a talk, I mean, deserves a game is the Taco Bell Chihuahua dog. That's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. So one of the biggest draws for Treasure to work with Sega was that they were a big fan of the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive's Motorola's seventy eight thousand sixty eight thousand microprocessor. The team felt that it was more powerful than Super Nintendo and easier to program for. And for some reason, I took oh, never mind. Here, here's the interview. Uh, in the same nineteen ninety three interview with Treasure, they got more. In, uh, they talked about basically. So the question they asked him was. Konami is a big third party for Nintendo. So why are you now making games for Sega?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: according to uh, Treasure, I've always been fascinated with hardware. I, uh, people are constantly comparing Mega Drive to Super Nintendo, saying that the Super Nintendo has more colors, etc. But the Mega Drive has a 68,000 processor, oh, c- c- uh, which is very easy to uh, program for. And to work with. I was a programmer for years making games for Super Nintendo and I can tell you the hardware is a pain in the butt. If consumers (laughs) look at a steel shot, they think the Super Nintendo is better, but actually, if you try to put Gunstar Heroes onto the Super Nintendo, there would be no way. See those bosses? On the Super Nintendo, they would slow down. The movement requires so much computation, it would only be done on Sega hardware. And then mm. the question was, how, so how many colors do you have on screen in, with Gunstar? Actually, there are only 64, but we can make it look much more by adding shadows and lighting effects, etc. When you look at Sonic or Gunstar, you, uh, you would think that they display more than 64 colors, but they don't. We just make it look more. In my opinion, the color looks as good as the Super Nintendo. We can also make it appear that three to four screens are present, although you can supposedly only display two. They're talking about the panning in the background when you uh, Uh, you walk, the layers in the background. Right. Uh, At once. As I said, the hardware is very easy to work with. All things considered, the 68K is very good CPU, allowing room for experimentation, while the Super Nintendo hardware limits you in their design choices. Scaling Ooh. and rotation can be implemented in Sega software. Forget the Super <laughs> Nintendo. Forget it. What? Wow. Super what? Super, I've never heard of Super Nintendo. You guys, have you ever heard of Super Nintendo?
0: Super what? <laughs> I don't know. Super what? Not super to me.
1: <laughs> Not very super. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this ammo for the good old? Sega Genesis versus Super Nintendo console wars. Keep in mind that at this point, treasure's future were tied with Sega and they needed the Genesis to succeed. Not really. I mean, it was 93 at this point. I mean, it was already yeah, like, right. it's already a success, but what do you think that they, you think they make things up like this?
0: I mean, it's hard to say. I These guys are developers. They're, they have a different way of looking at these things, these consoles. Um mm-hmm. I don't think he's coming from a fanboy perspective because he did site working on the SNES. And I know when a developer likes a piece of hardware, they're not going to BS. They'll be like, you know, look, SNES was a dream to work for. It was really easy to work on but the Genesis. It's just as easy and it's more powerful. Like he would have said something like that. I think I don't think he would lie. And I don't think he'd be throwing SNES under the bus if it was uh, Actually, true, at least in his opinion, because you have to remember, he's making a certain type of game that he felt was just impossible on the SNES. So, uh, I sorry, guys.
1: I mean, what do you think about the 64? I mean, this is something that we even talked with uh, uh, the Sega Genesis, uh, Al Nielsen, the heart of uh, mm. marketing. And yeah. his thing was very proudly was uh, displaying Sonic the Hedgehog to people and telling them like this one has x amount of colors the super nintendo and right. and sonic has x do you see the difference in the color and everybody would always come out saying they'd rather play sonic <laughs> and this is kind of like a big marketing ploy i'm not saying anything there's anything bad about mario but like one of the big marketing pushes against the super, uh, with the super nintendo was that it had more color and i feel like i agree with them in that aspe- aspect because one of the first things i remember when i played gunstar heroes was how Bright it was, how much mm-hmm. color it looked like it had. It just yeah. felt like um there was the diversity in uh, stages. So right. to me, and then also when he says all these like sprite scaling and how they trick to have more layers, I don't know. I didn't think it had four layers. I mean, if it, it looked like it wasn't as a, good as a Super Nintendo at the day at the time. And, mm-hmm. the, and they do use a lot of sprite scaling, so everything they're telling you is true. And mm-hmm. I also remember a lot of Super Nintendo games having a lot of slowdown street fighter like um contra 3 was one of them like when the dragon appears and it it loops over your shoulder i mean your soldier in the first level massive Mm -hmm. slowdown so Mm -hmm. i'm not they're not lying for sure there was a lot of slowdown in super nintendo games Mm -hmm. so i mean i never knew as a kid what it was but i could tell there was slowdown did it bother me did it make the games worse nah i'm sure you guys super nintendo fans they would be like it's a small price to pay for all the color right
0: for sure. I mean, with all that color, whatever, who cares? I.
1: <laughs> it's all about the um, game, I, right? If you had fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's all about the game. If you had fun. And I'll be honest, like as a kid, I did notice the SNES had more colors, but I preferred the Genesis sound. And I don't know if I'm alone in that, but it just, it felt, the SNES felt so soft to me in its music. And it felt so uh, uh, synthetic Whereas yeah. the Genesis just it it felt more felt like it's hard to put into words because it's sound. But it uh, uh I don't know. I don't know. It,
1: the sound chip just had its own like vibe, like it like especially when you get games like Streets of Rage, they had that like uh I don't know, it has like its texture to the the sound. That Super Nintendo was just totally different. I'm not saying there's not a lot of good Super Nintendo music. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I also think that there's some Genesis game that have this like weird look that Mm -hmm. I think looks like uh, the art style looks kind of low poly. Like you could tell they're like, I don't know, maybe it's just because a lot of games were rushed at the time. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, there's like games like Gunstar Heroes and like Sonic that look amazing. So it's hard to tell, I mean, how much effort a developer put into the game. But moving on, one other Mm. unique aspect of Gunstar Heroes is the actual name. How did it come about? Was it there the whole time? According nope. According to an old Sega Ages interview, the original game they wanted was Lunatic Gunstar. According <laughs> to the team, they thought Lunatic was a good description of the fast paced action they were going for. Sega of America did not think I mean didn't like the word. They thought it had a negative connotation and rejected it. Uh, what do you okay, uh Okay, let me finish this and then we'll 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 I'll ask you what you think about the name. The team then decided to pay ho- homage homage to uh, Blade Runner and call the game Blade Gunner, but that was also rejected by Sega of America based on copyright concerns. Sega of America suggested the word Heroes, and so Gunstar mm-hmm. Heroes became the final title. Uh, this this microphone's acting all weird. Um. So, what do you think of the the names Lunatic Gunstar and Blade Gunner?
0: Um, I think Lunatic Gunstar is kind of awful. Um, it just seems like two random words slapped together. Blade Gunner, again, it's it's too similar to gun, uh, uh, Blade Runner, and yeah. we, we've seen this a lot at the time. Like, I feel like Japanese developers were like can't we just straight rip off an 80s movie? You know, like, to the point where they're like, can't we just steal characters, and can't we just uh, uh, steal sound effects and, like, actual screens from the movie? <laughs> you know, it's just, like... And then the, I'm sure Sega of America are like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, please stop doing that. It's um, actually,
1: you know what's funny, though? Like, what? Blade Gunner sounds like a, uh, a sequel to a uh, Gunstar Heroes um, inspired... Well, I say inspired, but it was literally they ripped off Gunstar Heroes. But there's this game on the PlayStation called Rapid Reload, and it, mm-hmm. and its a Japanese name is Gunner's Heaven. So it's like Blade oh, Gunner. Boy. It just sounds like there's already something there, right?
0: But, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah.
1: But I, I think Lunatic obviously uh, sounds like a, fu- a crazy person, so save america was right there is negative things like imagine telling your, your mom i want a game about called lunatic gunstar no gunstar heroes sounds like a squad of heroes that uh are you know shoot things
0: right yeah lunatic gunstar makes me think like people always go and then this lunatic lunatic stormed in with a gun you know like it, it sounds like that um which is usually not a very good thing so i agree Good. <laughs> it's. <laughs> um,
1: this is another, t- another game that Sega of America sh- helped shape in the end, if only the name, uh, to make it more marketable. Uh, do you think their involvement in games during this period was mostly good or more, mostly bad? And I do know that they also shaped a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: what do you think?
0: I honestly, I'm going to side with Sega of America. I know there's a lot of... Uh... Bitterness from the Japanese side—we see that a lot in like interviews where they they were like, you know, we're trying to make Sonic the Hedgehog and America kept pushing back. But let's be honest, like these decisions have led to successes. I I honestly don't think Sonic with fangs and a girlfriend would have done as well. I don't think a game called Lunatic Gunstar would have done as well. So. I and mean, it's funny
1: though because like a lot of these <laughs> Japanese developers kind of like I feel like they get kind of annoyed mm-hmm. by Sega like they're like we know better. I mean, we're creating the game. But right. at the same time, like when the company like when they have a success and they never want to say like, "Oh, thank God they came in and stopped it." They're probably like it would have been a success even if they didn't step in, right?
0: Right. And I think it's funny too that these Japanese developers are getting so much um inspiration from american media but then when it comes to uh americans kind of help dictate and change the work they're doing to make it more consumable in america the japanese developers get angry which is so weird it's like we have a game that rips off diehard what do you think well let's make some changes to it how dare you bruno (laughs) dillinger is an original character do not steal and,
1: and uh they also do a lot of, yeah they also do a lot of copyright thing which is surprising that Sega of america didn't pick up on it early on like with the shinobi mm-hmm. stuff so yeah um yeah well we we know that treasure only started with 18 employees since they had two games of development at the same time this one and the mcdonald's one they had to split their team their small teams in half gunstar's heroes team core team consisted of six people Two programmers, two graphic designers, and two sound programmers. The full development cycle of guns for Gunstar Heroes was five to ten months, according to them. Like even though they had graphic designers, uh, they also knew how to program, so everybody programmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that Gunstar Heroes tried was to take advantage of the power of the Sega Genesis, provided uh, which. Uh, wow, which led the team to work on sprite scaling and uh sprite rotations on bo- uh, hmm. a lot of this was used in the you know bosses and stuff uh and then also other uh tricks to make give the game levels depth uh the team also used tricks oh yeah like we t- they said in the quote uh it made it seem like there was three to four layers but it was only the genesis only supported two layers in the background i think uh the mickey mouse did game did this a lot and so did uh, sonic the hedgehog where it Mm -hmm. made it seem like there was way more backgrounds and more depth. So I think they did that well, because I remember as a kid when I first played Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I was like, whoa, look, you can see all the way in the back, way back there, look at that. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So what are your thoughts on sprite scaling and rotation done in this game? Because I remember when I was a kid, one of my friends said that like when we were playing Contra or, uh, I forget, uh, Demon's Crest, I think, there was a lot of these games where in Super Nintendo where you would fly like you would fly a ship, and then they would have these like scaling, where it looked like it was kind of like Fox 3D or fake 3D. Mm-hmm. And I, always, they always, t- they always tell me that that Super Nintendo, I mean Genesis, could never do this. And this is one of those games that like did it in a different way, with like limbs would like rotate and like backgrounds would rotate sometimes, you know. So, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on them getting this out of the Sega Genesis and working really smooth uh, out of all? I things? think it's important
0: I think it's impressive. Um, I had a, 32 uh, X and when I played gunstar heroes, I would kind of, you know, kind of have to like, uh, uh adjust my uh, vision. Cause I'm like, am I looking at a 32 X game? It did a lot of things that I didn't think, uh, the Genesis itself was capable of, but when you take the deep dive into treasures games, you're going to see that time and time again, like they get away with some pretty, uh, cool innovative graphical stuff that you either just haven't thought possible or you know like in the case of um did they do they did bank Yeah, yeah
1: yeah they did
0: yeah yeah so i mean that's one where it's not like they're pushing the the graphic capabilities but just the mere idea of them making these tiny little sprites and then just going insane on the screen uh, I thought was amazing at the time, just as uh, this was, where they were pushing the Genesis to do things you were told by Nintendo it wasn't capable of. Um, so I think, honestly, I think it's just, it's, a lot of games just had a rush development. And so people will look at some of the worst that the Genesis had to offer and they'll think, oh, it's it's uh, cheap graphics and low uh, low color count, bad music. And it's like, no, they had the tools to make something great, as evidenced by what Sonic Team, Treasure, and uh, other teams did. It's just, you know, it all depends on the people using the tools.
1: It definitely does, and even, yeah. and it was still, a, you know, like a wild west of like uh, development. It's obvious mm-hmm. that Treasure had a lot of love for the Sega Genesis. I mean, just by playing Gunstar Heroes, like all the things they do in every game. You're, I mean, every level, you're like, wait you could do that on the Sega Genesis? Why isn't anybody else doing this? Like, I, I was impressed by even the logo, the way, like, it uh, it moves. It looks like a 3D object. That's yeah, that was cool. cool. Yeah, so yeah. little things like that, you're like, yeah, they added that extra, like, quality right on top of it. So obviously a great debut for them and a great game for the Sega Genesis. Um, when developing the game, the team took a anything-goes approach and tried to implement as many crazy ideas as they could. Uh, One of these is weapon combination mechanic that was talked about in early planning stages. And the team even tweaked attributes to weapons all the way to the end of development. Uh, And the whole point was to allow uh, gamers to play the game in different ways to try to beat it their own way. Uh, The Mm -hmm. game also featured bosses with multiple limb effects, most notably the boss 7 Force. Since having the large, since uh, you can't have one large sprite, Seven Force was actually a combination of smaller sprites, circles and triangles to make one big sprite that moved around. Uh, mm. That way, they could save VRAM. This would obviously make the game not slow down, which is crazy because I feel like Gunstar Superheroes on the ga- the sequel, slows down a lot on the Game Boy Advance. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the bosses with multiple limbs and weapon combination system?
0: I thought the bosses, I mean, first off, when you kick off the game and you have different weapons, you have, you pick where you want to go. Like I didn't play that many games at the time that was so open with what stage you start at. I'm trying to think like Mm. Quackshot, maybe uh, DuckTales on the NES, like not that many. I wasn't Mm. into Mega Man, so I wasn't really aware of that at the time. Um, So to see something like that, where you have so many options and so many ways to play the game uh made this such a replayable game because you can kick it off and it's never the same level um and i know you know pe- people get treat the first level of a lot of games as iconic because they see it again and again and for developers they always have to make that first level extremely memorable because that's the first thing people are going to play again and again few people are going to see scrap brain zone but everyone's going to see green hill zone so yeah. In the case of this, though, what I thought was really interesting was they had all these levels throwing at you at once so that not only did they have to make each one memorable, but they had to make it so that you were like, oh, I just tried this one. I didn't complete the game. Next time I replay it, though, I'm going to start at this one and see what happens. Um, and then it extended into the bosses. Like, the bosses were really uh, innovative. They didn't play the same way twice, really. Like, each one was very different. Um, playing games like... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist like every boss was just a bigger guy that you fought and they had one weird little attack but there Um, wasn't much more to it than that but these like there were dice that you rolled and like um, and I, I think looking forward like Sonic Mania they really took a lot of inspiration from this game because you look at the bosses there and they're not really Sonic bosses they're like they kind of remind me of treasure bosses just in how over the top they are and how um they they rely on these things where they like have different weapon combinations both with the well with the bosses you know what i mean and, yeah 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 and did you, did you was, see make that connection
1: uh with mania not yeah, with mania like little... but but i've noticed that a lot of these like newer indie games like like uh i guess cuphead uh like yeah they take a lot of ideas from treasure like even that game like one of the big ideas is that every boss is super hard and there's you have to figure out a way to beat them and i feel like Mm -hmm. treasure was the first one in my mind to like do this maybe they even started it back in contra because like i remember um first playing contra 3 and they had the turtle one or whatever where you have to hit the red the red dot uh and so like i could see them like that's their you know when they started but like gunstar hero took that idea and like amped it up to 11 because like it's like you have this guy that's like r- like going on the side like you literally you start the fight uh horizontally and yeah. then you blow up a bridge and then all of a sudden you're you're free falling with this thing and this th- and then you guys are fighting while you're free falling so it's like what what's going on this game is insane yeah, um, and I, th-
0: I think a more apt comparison maybe would be to Platinum Games. I mean, I brought that up before, but I feel like both Treasure and Platinum Games made bosses fun. Because bosses, oh, yeah. typic- bosses typically, like, you're kind of like, ah oh, the boss. And it's just kind of a headache. And it's like, oh, I'm going to lose. Or it's very samey. But, like, Bayonetta, it's a game of bosses. Every every villain you play, you you fight, is basically a boss. Like... And, um, and here with the treasure games, you looked forward to getting the boss cause you were like, what crazy stuff are they going to throw at me this time? So, and, um, I mean, kudos <laughs> to them on that.
1: And, um, what's your opinion on like Western games, not really having memorable bosses or like kind of skipping the idea of a boss to like move on to like, I guess, tell a story or an adventure, like uncharted like nobody mm-hmm. talks about the bosses in those games because they're terrible like the the idea of that game is because you're the adventure is what's fun it's like indiana jones and storytelling but then the mm-hmm. last boss is so bad that i'm like oh man what the heck? what is this like i feel like american developers don't respect the idea of a boss fight, as <laughs> much as, like, Treasure did at the time. So, I don't
0: know. Yeah, it, it's almost like they just treat it as, like, it's it's something to be, exp- like, well, we got to throw the boss in here. What is it? Well, let's just develop one big bad and then just kind of change up the graphics and present it eight times throughout the game and we're done, you know? Um, That's the easy and way you, to do it. You kind of see that with Japanese developers, too. Like, um, the mm-hmm. Sonic games, I feel like, have really declined in boss quality you look at uh, sonic forces and it's like the same three types of bosses again and again um it's just it's kind of lazy so I, I wouldn't say it's just a western developer thing but maybe it's it's kind of seeping into japan where they just people don't try as hard with bosses so that's why people get so excited when uh a company like um, Platinum Games or back in the day, Treasure, were releasing a new game. It was like, all right, here we go. These are the guys who get it. They know to make a complete package of uh, a fun experience instead of treating a boss like, you know, like a chore, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so, r- okay, so uh, while we always tell you our favorite aspects of games, it's rare to hear develop- what developers liked or remember about their own game. But thankfully, we have a group translated uh, inter- a group interview with Treasure a year after Gunstar came out uh, hmm. by Beep Magazine. It was translated by ShootEmUpLations.com. Lash- or Lations.com, and they have a Patreon if you guys want to support them to do uh, more translations. They mm-hmm. interviewed one, two, three, four, five people from Treasure, including Mur- Murata, The the well, he's he's listed as sound designer here, but He's the president of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it Satoshi? So maybe he's a different person. But uh, Yuchi, who is a background designer, said, one of my, what, uh, they asked him, looking back at this year's development, could you each tell us about some of your favorite scenes or mem- memories from Gunstar Heroes? Yuchi, who is a background designer, said, one memorable part of Gunstar Hero development for me was be- the beginning of stage one. I redrew the very first part of this stage, the area with the natives' huts, in the trees, about four times. The color palette and hue was more kiddy and gamey at first. We were reusing a palette, which was an e- efficient use of memory, but it looked kind of cheap, which is kind of funny because I think they are reusing the McDonald's one. And mm-hmm. Kikuchi, who uh, worked on character, he was a character designer, said, for me, it would be a, the pink lobster boss fight from stage seven. When we were working on Gunstar Heroes, the Mega Drive game Mazin Saga had just been released, and I thought it was amazing. It inspired me to try designing the enemy patterns, not with simple mathematical algorithms, but with data I inputted manually by hand. Pink Lobster and other enemies I made were the end result of my experiments with that method. I also love the outer space backgrounds in the fight. It's the most beautiful scene in the game. Uh, Siganami who did uh, he was a programmer said yeah and it also ate up a buttload of memory he laughs. laughs anyway for me the most memorable part of development was designing the rotating title logo that was the very first program I had wrote for the Mega Drive and Murata who did uh, he was also a programmer said I was in charge of the sound effects with F-, which is weird because he's a programmer with FM synthesis it's not as easy as sampling to get the right sound effects, like the metal chink sound. That's why the sound in stage two, when Yuchin Force is banging fiercely against the wall, was a really memorable one for me. And then Nororo, who uh, is not even listed here, I don't know why. Uh, Hans... hanzawa did, did the music by the way and he's not here today because he's hard at work in the next treasure game i'm gonna surprise you and then uh mm-hmm. kikuchi said Shh, that's supposed to be a secret and then they mm-hmm. asked him uh, that he sends his regards though and told us that his favorite scene was stage five when the melancholic music pl- uh, is playing against the backdrop of a beautiful sunset and uh, they talk a little bit more. You can read the interview. I don't think this is like needed to uh, since we're already running late on this episode. But did hearing the developers talk about their experience making little things like the title screen rotate make you think differently on how much work goes into a game like Gunstar Heroes?
0: I think in general, um, doing this show with you, I've learned that in the, Meg- in the Master System and the uh, Mega Drive era that things were not like they are now Um, very small teams, people working on things that they are not um, is not their focus. And in some cases they probably have no idea what they're actually doing. Um, But in the end, they, you know, they learned something about an area of game development. They probably would not have otherwise. That's good. Um, But really, I just, I, it, it seems like, a lot of these great games that we talk about did not actually have much of a, uh, structure, (laughs) you know, there's no outside of someone being the lead. Like they just kind of do what needs to be done to get the game completed. And, uh, the development timeline too, for these surprises me, I had no idea they were so quick. So, oh yeah,
1: they're so, and, and not only that, I love like the little, like you could tell these guys are like, friendly towards each other and they know each other. They're even talking about a guy that's not there. Um, I feel like now with game development, it's one of those, like, it's so big that you don't really get this kind of friendship outside of maybe, like, maybe the, I mean, obviously the guys that worked on Sonic Mania, which they worked with mm-hmm. a team probably a size of this, have a totally different experience. I would I would love to talk to some of these people and see that worked in the, like, making massive games for like ubisoft or like a triple a game for sega and then going Mm -hmm. and making a team a game with people they're small like i guess it could always have the drawbacks right like you could have all these artistic people that don't agree with each other and they're just butting heads but when you're in a big company you guys are like a sweatshop so it's like oh yeah shut up uh i'm the boss here you do this or if not Mm -hmm. we'll just replace you right i guess Mm -hmm. both things have their own positives and negatives but Let's talk about the legacy of Gunstar Heroes. I to me, it's one of those games that like I thought growing up when I played it and nobody told me about it outside of that one guy that it was super underground. S- nobody re- re- would remember this game as one of those like gyms that I found, but like once I started going on the internet and talking to Sega fans, I knew that, you know, it's it had its mo- it had its movement and people did mm-hmm. like it. Uh Gunstar Heroes finally got its uh, released in Japan on September 10th, 1993, and released worldwide in the same month. Sega Japan underestimated the demand for the game and only shipped an initial 10,000 units to store shelves, while Sega America also ordered a small print run as they weren't confident in Sega Japan games. Uh, the game also didn't receive much advertisement and spread mostly via the word of mouth. Like, I can't remember this even having an ad, so... Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, When it was all said and done, the game shipped around 70,000 units in Japan and over 200,000 units overseas. Are you surprised that the game received such a low print run when released? Uh, Even though people that worked at Treasure had a proven uh, track record, you know, they made Contra, they made TMNT... Uh, do you think maybe Sega just thought, well, they they sold those games because those games were Castlevania and those games were, yeah. TNT.
0: I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, you, I mean, regardless of what their history is, at the end of the day, this is a game that you know people are not going to recognize on a shelf from a new development studio. And I keep making the platinum games um, comparisons, but just today, as we record this they had to launch a Kickstarter to get Wonderful 101 uh, remastered. Like, is, isn't this that is insane, a, though? This is a like, studio that created Bayonetta that has a 10th anniversary 2-pack coming out with uh, Vanquish. Like, Clearly, there are uh, publishers behind them, but they want to self-publish, and they need our money to remaster probably they're one of their least uh, popular games. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, okay. So I mean I, I don't even want to get into this game, but like I really wish they just launched a brand new game. But I understand why they're doing Wonderful One. It's already made. It's easy mm-hmm. to get funding that way. But yeah. it is it I would love to see Treasure try something like this because the last time we've heard from them, and I we'll talk about this a little bit more later. They said Mm -hmm. that they're working on stuff right now. I think in 2018, they had their last interview when I was doing research for this. And they said they have something working. But its I've been hearing this since the 360 era. When they re-released Ikagura and Radiant Silvergun on 360, they said they had a contract (laughs) with Microsoft to make a third game in the series, which never happened. And Microsoft Mm -hmm. just shut up about it. So I don't know, man. We'll see how it happens, but... Uh, this is a new section we're adding to this show. I want you guys to give me some feedback. Uh, but it's basically me going and picking some review snippets, and then we'll talk about the review snippets in the end. But most reviews at the time fell in love with Gunstar Heroes and mostly had positive things to say about it in the reviews. It was so positive that it surprised Treasure, with big publications like EGM giving it their game of the month. They wow. also uh, placed first in Beep, Mega Drive Reader's rankings in Japan, meaning it was their number one game they released. Uh, according to EGM's Ed Sumrad, this cart represents the fact that the Genesis can still beat out the competition. This has got to be one of the most intense carts to date, providing nonstop blasting hand-to-hand combat, quote, that's right, combat thrills that will strain your abilities to the max. There wow. are plenty of levels and an absolute riot to play through. And the fact that it has two players you ha- and you have a fantastic winner, IGM was reviewed because back then they would review four people. They gave it a 9999. Mm-hmm. 9999. Nine. Nine, 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 nine. And it was game of the month, which was a big deal back then. I remember getting the magazine and always looking to see what was the game of the month and being like, I'll rent that one back in the Dreamcast era. So, uh, 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 Sega-only magazines also raved about the game. Uh, According to Mean Mean Machine Sega, their review, we thought Mm -hmm. we'd seen it all on the Mega Drive, but Sega once again ignored the preconceived ideas about their machine's limitation and call upon the scale and rotate sprites all over the place. (laughs) While most magazines at the time gave the game high marks, Edge magazine, the edgiest magazine of all time, was one of the outliers giving the game a 6 out of 10, saying in their short review, this is just the end of the review, it looks good, sounds good, and plays well, but after completing the game, you get no great urge to return to it, even with two players. There are no no hitting levels to find, no secret screens, you get what you see. Gunstar Heroes is great while it lasts, but it doesn't last long. What are your thoughts on the game getting universally high ranks? And do you feel now that uh, that it's been so long that Edge Magazine might have overrated so, a little bit the replayability of the game?
0: Yeah, I think I, I think that last one that you read is just kind of bullshit. Like, uh, it's
1: funny, though, because they're still praising the game. But, like, I mean, let's be honest. Okay, say give it a seven. Give it an eight, right? Like, you loved right, everything right, right. about it, but it's not long enough. Okay, can you say that? Can can some people say that? Yeah, sure. I've heard that about Sonic, right?
0: Yeah. And it's like, all right, so it looks good. I'd argue it looks great. Sounds good. I'd argue it sounds great. It plays well. I'd say it plays very well. All of these are positives. But after completing the game, you get no great urge to return to it. I disagree because if you enjoyed your experience, you're going to go back and maybe you're going to play as a different character. Maybe you're going to try different weapons. Maybe you're going to start at a different stage because you don't start at the same stage. And this way what I think is so funny. They go, there's no hidden levels to find. Like, how many games have hidden levels? What's a hidden level? What do you mean?
1: Like, I don't know. It's um, like, can you imagine like, having level? this? Like, let's go back to Sega Classics. Yeah. Well, Al runs pretty good. He plays great. It sounds great. But once you beat it, there's no urge to drive again. It's like, well, that yeah, idea yeah. of like taking your course, you know, like I guess they have different courses there in this one. But to me, it's like very like well, you could replay the unique levels they created. Uh, try to do but uh, try different weapons and different combinations in different areas, see which one how you could beat it easier. I mean, there's some stuff you could do, and there's even two players like they praised, but they say they don't even care about that in the review. So it's like, I don't know. Edge Edge magazine has always been known to give games lower review. I mean, lower scores, but.
0: Yeah, I just think it's kind of bullshit to, like, complain about no hidden levels or secret screens. Like, I I can think of tons of games where I I can't think of there being any hidden levels. Like, I don't, again, I don't really know what they, like, I know what they're talking about. Like, I never expect that. I'm never like, oh, man, I played through all of Sonic 1 and there was no hidden level. There wasn't a ninth or an eighth zone or something or secret screens. Like, what do you mean, like a, a hole you go into and you're like, oh, no one's found this before. Um and then and, also the complaint of it it's great while well, it lasts but doesn't last long. I'd argue a lot of games back then were too long and boring. Like I yeah, watch they, uh, Let's with, Plays, the guy will be complaining, going, Oh my god, am I on the third first level still? And it'll be like an hour in, you know.
1: And it's like And that's like some games that that I think did that that they would like, even I'll even bring up a Sega game just so people can say I'm like a Super Nintendo hater, but like
0: mm-hmm.
1: Vector Man suffers from it where like it's 40 levels or some crazy stuff, and it's like a lot of these levels are repeated like set pieces of bad guys. Yeah. They did it. I love Vector Man. I love the look of the game, but man, man, you going to cut that game to 20, 20 stages, 15 stages. But right, I mean, so there's some games like that where I what I would say that it's the double edged sword. I could see them. I we. This is something that we talked about when Vanquish came out, when I was reviewing it, and it was really hard for me because at the time, people were bashing the game because it was so short. It was six hours for a $60 game. So Mm -hmm. I think it was like five hours if you're good enough. So it's like, is a game that you beat the single player and there's no multiplayer worth 60 bucks. And uh, in the end, the way that the game was designed, I thought that it was fine. It was like an arcade game where you wanted to get the high score, so you had to play the game over and over again. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming in it with that mindset, it's fine. And I feel like some reviewers don't understand that there's different ways to play a game and it has different value to the player just based on that. And right. uh and back then I'm surprised it was universally, I guess, loved. Because like even like uh I I also liked the like the, the reviews back back then, how they used to write reviews like abilities to the max. That, that's like sh- when you start writing reviews like that. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. miss the good old uh, 90s reviews. They were so ridiculous. It was like everything was so over the top, right? It's like hand-to-hand combat. And um, e- even though the game had a legacy, there was also... I mean, this is another version of the game that I never really hear people talk about. And it's actually kind of interesting because uh, e- most people know Gunstar Heroes from the Sega Genesis version. Mm-hmm. But there was also a Game Gear version released in 1995, and this one was done by M2. Did you know Whoa. that? Well, all the way back in 1995, M2 ported the game to the Game Gear. So, M, if you guys don't know who M2 is, M2 is the the people that do the Sega Ages mm-hmm. ports, and they did the Mega Drive Mini, and uh, so. I never played the the Game Gear version, but from what I've read, they took out... While a lot of people think it's a good conversion for what it... You know, it's an 8-bit game. You're literally cutting it in half of power, right? Or less. Right. They said that they took away some of the bosses, including the Blackjack. So it's like, oh, that's kind of hard for me. Like, obviously, the definitive version is the Mega Drive version. But I do like the way that they they look in 8-bit. I think it looks kind of cute, so there's some positives if you had a game gear at the time i guess or if you were rich like you you would have a nomad and you wouldn't have to worry about it huh you get all the 16 bit on the (laughs) go exactly that was me yeah. yeah. (laughs) no i'm joking i don't know if you had one back then but uh i wish yeah i
0: got a i got a nomad a year after it released i got it used at uh like a babbage's or whatever oh you know like
1: uh yeah yeah. I, yeah I was gonna say and there's there was also a Mega Play arcade version but like those Mega Play arcade versions are usually the same thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, at least from what I've noticed so I didn't really write notes but I, <laughs> I I actually didn't write notes about this either because my computer updated right so mm-hmm. the last bit is the game did get a sequel this is something that a lot of people do not talk about but it was called Gunstar Superheroes in the United States it came out That's on the right. Game Boy Advance. Uh, I thought this was a lot better than their Gunstar uh, Guardian Advance Heroes. And I own that one. I was actually super hyped. I went to Target day one. Got it. Even though nobody cared about the game. (laughs) And I remember it was already when the DS was coming out. And I was just like, Treasures making sequels, guys. We got to support everybody, right? And I'm like on the internet telling everybody like, get this game. You have to get this game uh personally they they kind of do a lot of retreads where they use a lot of aspects from the first one but then they have a lot of other stuff in it that makes it feel its own game mm-hmm. but a lot of one thing that i hated it hated about the game was that they use the l and the r a lot and man it's no wet no no good in the game boy they use yeah uh, trigger. it hurts You're your up. hand yeah yes yeah, so, so this game <clears throat> this sequel for the game boy advance i wish would get a Sega Ages release so I could use a regular controller and maybe get some more content in it. Maybe take away some of the slowdown. That'd be cool. That'd be really sick, but let's talk about some of the ports. Uh, I would say that the best port, obviously, is always going to be the Sega Ages port on the 3DS. I hope it gets a Switch release soon because uh, it'd be nice to play it on a 1080p TV screen. But outside of that...
0: Yeah. 3D Classics, you mean, right? You said Sega 3D Classics, mean, no. sorry. Yeah. It gets confusing. Sega, it, but,
1: it, was it still called Sega Ages? Like no. they're still the same thing. Okay. Sega, Sega Sega Ages was classes. the
0: PS PS two uh series. And there was um, also
1: a PS two one release, right? So
0: I, I believe so, yeah. And then three D classics was the three D S one.
1: And it's uh I, I would hope that I mean I think we're all like have a long list of Sega Ages releases we want, but mm-hmm. I think this one seems kind of obvious since they already did the 3D classics one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um outside of this, there's uh you could play it on the Mega Drive Mini or Genesis Mini. Mm-hmm. And it's also on Sega Forever. And That's right. uh, I mean those are the ways to play it. Um but anything else you want to add before we close up the episode?
0: No. uh. Outside of just the usual uh, give this game a look, if you haven't played it, it's very easy to find. I feel like we've been covering a lot of uh, uh, Sega Ages and um, Genesis mini games recently, so that's great. It's a really easy way to go out and play the game um, that otherwise would be behind glass at your uh, uh, retro game store. And they're like, oh, this is gunstar heroes it's worth 150 dollars or some nonsense um forget that i'm sorry but just go buy a go buy a port of it you don't need to buy the original cartridge nonsense collectors
1: (laughs) as long as you play the game though if you do buy it for 150 dollars Play the game, don't... Yeah, yeah Don't yeah. be, like, those guys that, like, are like, I just bought this game, I don't even know what it's like, but it's going on my shelf, it looks pretty.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, play that. it, goddammit. Um, should we see what these Patreon people Let's have to go. say? Yeah, so if you support Segabits on Patreon uh, at any tier, you get first dibs, in fact, only dibs, on having your memories of the game we cover talked about at the end so here are the people that submitted their memories we have daniel andres who uh, seems to always have something to say even if they haven't played it let's see what they have to say so you know i haven't gotten much time with this game yet but i distinctly remember an old friend of mine named jonathan let's all remember jonathan i remember jonathan uh who was he was really into this game back in 2015 we played some of it together off the genesis collection for pc I still have to get into it sometime. Well, now's the time. Uh, we have sure. Mithril Fox, I believe, a new a new backer. So thank you for your support. Gunstar Heroes was a heck of a ride, a fantastic game for its time. Sadly, one memory that I've always reminded us the te- the tedious dice room. It felt like we were there for most of the game. That's interesting. That's like my favorite part of the game. But
1: I I, th- I mean maybe my opinion on it was because it was like i've never seen a stage like that like it's a board game within the stage it's pretty insane and then he had its own levels
0: yeah yeah and i mean i don't want to break this but like going to the mania thing i think that was my connection was that sudden mean bean machine game where you're like oh i guess we're doing a puzzle game now in the middle of a song game so i could (laughs) see how you're like this is not what i signed up for uh nicholas schaefer had this to say what a wonderful fast-paced game That made all the Nintendo fanboys jealous, right up there with Sonic. I remember pointing at it and going to see that's what you can do with blast processing. Yeah, I totally bought into Sega PR. No, blast processing is real. It's not PR. It's real. Just like full Reactivized Entertainment, it's a real thing. Uh, It is. Um, Do you want to close this up?
1: Just. If you guys want to support the show check us out on patreon.com slash sega bits we love your support we'll catch you on the next episode and i swear it won't be a another treasure game not for <laughs> a bit at least
0: yeah i right, kind of wanted right, to right.
1: do i was almost going to do radiant silver girl next but i was like, hey, that's io, another next one
0: week. yeah
1: that's another one anyway no <laughs> all right thanks you guys for watching bye